This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking about breach resolution issues with attorney Timothy McChrystal. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tim. Thanks, Howard. Glad to be here. For starters, why don't you tell us just a little bit about your firm and your activities in healthcare? Sure. I'm a healthcare partner with the law firm of Ropes and Gray. We represent a variety of healthcare clients across the country. We work uh, with both covered entities and business associates in compliance with the HIPAA privacy and security rule and have, in particular, over the last few years, worked on a number of data breach matters uh, with our clients and responding to both federal and state laws. The interim final version of the HIPAA breach notification rule has been in effect since September 2009. And there's a final version of the rule due out sometime in the coming weeks. Are there any steps you'd advise organizations to take to prepare for compliance with the final version of the rule? Or is it best for now to make sure all measures are in place for compliance with the current version? What do you think? We generally have been advising clients first to to make sure that they are in compliance with the current version with respect to breach notification and to have in place policies and procedures that enable the clients to meet the current expectations under the law. However, uh, recognizing that there's some unpredictability with where the final rule will end up, we have been advising clients to put in place uh, general plans for purposes of, uh, of compliance with the expected changes in the rule so that they are not starting from scratch at the time that the rule uh, is published and adopted and that they can move fairly quickly. But because some of the changes will require amendments to policies and procedures, perhaps notices of privacy practices and the like, many of our clients are holding on those changes until the final rule is adopted. So do you have a good feel for what some of the uh, changes might be in the final rule? For example, thinking about the rule um, as it exists today uh, and to note some areas where our clients are preparing themselves to make changes would be in the notice of privacy practices. Uh, the the rule will likely have implications uh, with respect to the the notices and the impact upon uh, the use of protected health information. And our clients, given the nature of uh, the notice of privacy practices, the, the amount of work and expense that goes into changing them, uh, that type of a document, have uh, readied those changes but want to see the final rule in advance of, of actually publishing changes to their NPPs and same with the privacy and security policies and procedures as well. Based on your experience, what are the most important steps organizations can take to make sure they are well prepared to detect breaches? What are the essential steps to take to prepare for breach notification in compliance with federal and state laws as they now exist? First, with respect to preparedness, the security rule contemplates uh, as a required uh, element that covered entities undertake a risk assessment. Now, many of covered entities undertook that assessment some time ago in compliance with the rule as of the compliance date for the rule, but there is varied experience in updating those assessments over time. Uh, as As a threshold matter, I would suggest updating risk assessments that were undertaken some time ago to uh, refresh an organization's knowledge of potential areas of risk and vulnerability. Second, for purposes of detection, organizations should communicate widely to all personnel the need 
to report suspicious activity and potential breaches promptly so that an organization can act in the event that there is a signal that there may be a breach and also identify the individuals uh, to whom uh, reports of potential breaches should uh, be made within the organization. In addition, uh, organizations should have a designated team that is responsible for investigating suspected breaches and conducting risk assessments uh, in the event that a breach occurs to determine uh, breach notification obligations under federal and state law. And also, organizations should have clear and easy to understand breach notification policies and procedures in place to ensure that in the event of an actual breach, the organization can fulfill its notification obligations uh, at state and federal levels uh, in accordance with time requirements set forth uh, under the law. We also think that uh, organizations should set forth clear reporting obligations for business associates and their uh, business associate agreements with outside vendors. And we are also seeing some organizations make significant investment in electronic intrusion and monitoring systems designed to detect and notify an organization of suspected electronic uh, breaches. Finally, because use uh, of, of data, uh, both at rest and, and in motion, is an area uh, where a number of organizations have had points of vulnerability with respect to breaches, we are seeing a number of clients encrypt data, in particular with respect to mobile devices and the transmission of information outside of their organization and trying to take advantage of the safe harbor that exists for so-called secured PHI that is encrypted in accordance with the standards set forth in the rule. More than 20% of the major healthcare information breaches reported so far have involved business associates, including several of the biggest incidents. So what do you see as the essential steps to take to make sure business associates and their subcontractors are taking adequate precautions to prevent breaches? One initial very important step is diligence at the time of contracting. There's a practical reality to contracting with a number of business associates that the covered entities are not able to monitor their day-to-day functions. But If there's diligence undertaken at the time of contracting to ask questions such as the following, we believe that this would uh, be an appropriate uh, risk management response from a covered entity. For example, does the business associate have HIPAA privacy and security policies and procedures in place, including a policy regarding investigation of potential breaches? Do they have methods in place internally to monitor and evaluate compliance within their organization? Does the business associate encrypt data that it stores and transmits? And if if so, what uh, is the nature of the encryption and does it meet applicable standards? Has the business associate been involved with or responsible for any breaches in the past? And are there any subcontractor arrangements that the business associate contemplates? And if so, the covered entity may wish to review those and potentially approve those in the future before information that the covered entity provides to the business associate is transmitted to a subcontractor. In addition, with respect to the contract itself, we uh, believe that covered entities should consider having clear reporting mechanisms and obligations in the business associate agreements, incorporate audit rights into the business associate agreement so that the covered entity can periodically audit compliance with the HIPAA privacy and security requirements applicable to business associates, 
and we believe that the covered entities, in addition to having the right to audit, should actually implement an audit uh, in, from time to time to, to ensure compliance. Some of our clients, when contracting with business associates, have conducted audits of their privacy and security practices in advance of entering into a contract, and that is another approach uh, that is particularly useful. We also encourage our covered entities to pay attention to the uh, indemnification and remediation provisions of the business associate agreement to ensure that there's appropriate steps that can be taken uh, for purposes of the contract in the event that there is a security breach. I understand that the resolution agreements that the HHS Office for Civil Rights has reached with organizations regarding HIPAA violations, including data breaches, have contained some common provisions. What are the most important lessons we can learn from these agreements? One lesson uh, that I think comes from reviewing the agreements and comparing them is that OCR uh, is getting to the basics of the privacy and security rule in enforcement and implementation of these settlement and resolution agreements. For example, when you look at the various resolution agreements, in each case, OCR is requiring covered entities to address the issue at hand by having in place appropriate policies and procedures. They are also requiring those policies and procedures to be distributed and reviewed by relevant personnel within uh, the organizations. And in some cases, this is the entire body of employees and care providers and others working at a particular institution. So it's a fairly large number of, of individuals that are required to receive and read and review the policies and procedures. OCR has been particularly uh, focused on training related to policies and procedures. I have uh, participated in discussions with OCR on a, a resolution agreement, and that was a particular point of focus that the organization not just have policies and procedures, but they, or that uh, employees and others had been trained on them, understood them, and were actually implementing them in their day-to-day -day responsibilities. OCR is also focused on follow-up, uh, and I will use the term audit, but follow-up to make sure that uh, the policies and procedures are being observed and remediation steps taken by the organization to the extent that there's conduct that diverges from the requirements of the policies and procedures and the rule. I think another area is also cooperation. Uh, if you look at the settlement amounts that have been paid by parties under these resolution agreements in the case where OCR noted specifically uh, that Signet Health uh, had not cooperated with requests for information in, in connection with remediation. The fine and penalty paid by that organization and imposed was uh, more significant in, in its amount than in other instances where parties had uh, been cooperative in resolving issues with OCR. Finally, the HHS Office for Civil Rights is conducting a HIPAA compliance audit program this year. Actually, it's kicking off this month with some on-site visits. What advice would you give organizations on how best to prepare for an audit? I believe that uh, the May 2011 report issued by HHS OIG, uh, which criticized the historical lack of proactive HIPAA compliance audits by CMS, is a, is a good roadmap. Uh, and just to take a couple of moments to discuss that re report. Uh, as you know, the H HHS was the agency charged with enforcing the HIPAA security rule between October 
uh, of 2003 and July of 2009, OCR became responsible for HIPAA enforcement uh, in July of 2009 with respect to the security rule. In that report, HHSOIG identified a number of areas of vulnerability for providers under under HIPAA based on select provider audits of seven hospitals nationwide. The most uh, significant vulnerabilities that OIG found were in the category of technical vulnerabilities, including vulnerabilities related to wireless access, access control, audit control, integrity control, person or entity authentication, and transmission security. In particular, HHSOIG summarized several areas of vulnerability. One was wireless access. Five of the hospitals had wireless access vulnerabilities, including ineffective encryption, rogue wireless access points, no firewall separating wireless networks from internal wired networks, broadcasted service set identifiers from hospitals' access points, and no authentication requirements for entering wireless networks. Another area was access control. All of the hospitals reviewed had some access control vulnerabilities involving things such as domain controllers, servers, workstations, and mass storage media used to receive, maintain, or transmit EPHI, including inadequate password settings in some cases, computers that did not automatically log users off after periods of inactivity, unencrypted laptops containing EPHI, and excessive uh, access to root folders within systems. Another area was audit control. Five of the hospitals had audit control vulnerabilities involving their service, servers, r- routers, firewalls, databases, and wireless access points that contained or transmitted EPHI. These hospitals had audit logging disabled for one or all of the above items that I listed, and their network administrators did not perform routine reviews of operating system and application audit logs. The OIG audit states that these vulnerabilities adversely impacted the hospital's abilities to investigate suspicious or malicious activity, including attempts to hack the hospital's networks or compromise the confidentiality and integrity of network EPHI. In addition, uh, integrity control was another area of problems for these seven hospitals. All of them had integrity control vulnerabilities on personal computers and servers containing EPHI, such as uninstalled critical security patches, outdated antivirus updates, operating systems that were no longer supported by the manufacturer, and unrestricted Internet access for hospital users. HHSOIG specifically criticized cost-cutting measures, such as not updating antivirus software and scan engines and uh, service arrangements within uh, with operating system vendors. Finally, uh, entity authentication was another problem. Four of the hospitals had entity authentication vulnerabilities, including inappropriate sharing of administrator accounts and unchanged default user identification and passwords. Four of the hospitals also had transmission security vulnerabilities in the form of using inappropriate plain text remote administration tools, no email encryption, and unnecessary network service and unsecure network services systems. So looking at this report, uh, given the fact that there was focus on all of these issues, I believe that this is a reasonable roadmap for purposes of where uh, security auditors would look and, and would review 
security vulnerabilities within hospitals that receive uh, notification of an audit. And we are suggesting to our clients that they uh, understand this report and develop a potential work plan to, in a self-audit uh, mechanism to, to go through their own operations in light of the findings within the report to see where they may have vulnerabilities. Well, thanks very much. We've been talking today with Tim McChrystal, partner at Ropes and Gray. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so very much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.HealthCareInfoSecurity.com.